Every 5,000 years. Remove the shield. When the three planets are in eclipse, the black hole like a door is open. Evil comes, spreading terror and chaos. There's nothing that can stop this. There is only one thing. Perfect. The Mondochi one have in their possession the only weapon to defeat evil. Four elements gathered around a fifth. I'm on. Welcome on. Have a nice day. Major Dallas, we're selected for a mission of the utmost importance. What mission? Save the world. <laughs> is, uh, is that thing solid? Unbreakable. Good. Word of the stone. I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't tell somebody like you. There's nowhere else to go. So, uh, thank you for tuning in to a brand new episode of uh, Let's Watch It Again. I'm your host with the most, uh, Rob Lee. I don't know if I have the most. And it, with me, as I said in the onset, I have Sam Sessa. Shout out to Sam. How's it going, buddy? I'm so excited to be here <laughs> talking about this movie, Rob Lee. Um, this is, this is going to be great. And, and it's funny because when we did the, uh, what was it, Terminator 2? Yes. I think post-Terminator 2, you were like, I love the fifth element. When are we doing that? So now we're here. <laughs> here we are. Hold on, hold on. You, you know, I can do the voice of Ruby Rod. Spin it, please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Snaps. Snaps for you. That, uh, that, is, that is 10 on 10. That, and that was done very well, too. And so we're recording in this after you did your interactive movie night. At Creative Alliance, yeah. Yeah. And how did that turn out? It was sold out, packed house. Everyone was into it. I've never done one of those before. Yeah. It was phenomenal. <laughs> People were so into it. Every time there was a gun shooting scene, yeah. you would get out little squirt guns and squirt the crowd. Oh, uh, that's great. And we were just literally, it was like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. We were just like sitting there riffing on the movie, making fun of it, making jokes, and people were just it was eating it up. It was so much fun. That, that's great. It, it reminds me of this sort of interactive movie night I went to for uh, The Room. Okay, and I it was at it was at the trolls, and uh, every time it was like this one scene in it, and I didn't know anything about the fandom, right? And I became aware of it from listening to a podcast, and they were making fun of it. I was like, now I need to watch this because they made so much fun of it. And it's a scene where you see this lion, and he, the lion's prominent in multiple scenes as a painting of a lion. People just throw plastic spoons. That's a part of the fandom. Okay, so I'm like, all right, I need to take this and make that part of what I'm doing. So that's that's great, and the, and the way that it was organized was really fun. I'm just making a statement around just that love of like these interactive movie nights. Yeah. When me and one of my buddies went there, they handed us these shirts that are like tuxedos, and that's a thing that's in the movie. And we get spoons when we come in there. I was like, all of this is great. Love it. So let let's talk about let's talk about the Fifth Element. Um, I want to talk about the synopsis, some of the details, and because it's 25th anniversary, and um, 
yeah, we could talk about best scenes and some trivia. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right, fantastic. So, um, synopsis. <laughs> synopsis Lathan, I feel like I want to call this. Um, in the 23rd century, a New York City cabbie, Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, finds the fate of the world in his hands when Lilu Mila Jovovich uh, fa- falls into his cab, literally falls into his cab. As the embodiment of the fifth element, Lilu uh, needs to combine with the other four elements to keep the approaching great evil from destroying the world. Together with Father Vito Cornelius, Ian Holm, and the zany broadcaster, Ruby Rod, <laughs> Chris Tucker. Zany? Um, Dallas must race against time. That is not good. And uh, and the wicked industrialist Zorg, uh, Ger- played by Gary Oldman, to save humanity. I want to be in the room when they're pitching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> because how do you get this greenlit in 1990, right. whatever? Like, how, do you, yeah. how do you get this movie greenlit? And how do you get this cast? It's an insane cast. So... There, there's a little, there's a few things in there I know specifically about Gary Oldman because he, he does not jam with this movie. He doesn't discuss it anymore. <laughs> no. If you ask him about this in an interview, he will not respond. <laughs> so talking about the cast, this was a May uh, 9th, 1997 film, and uh, this is written and directed by, by Luke Besson. Um, and I put a special note in here for the costume designer to give the drummer some, if you will. Yes. Uh, John Paul Gaultier. Huge. Fire. Fire. Uh, as you know, I said in the uh, synopsis, um, Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, uh, Chris Tucker, and Gary Oldman. A few other people, but those are kind of the main hitters. Um, and so going back before before I move into kind of some of these other bullet points, if you will, was it, did the synopsis kind of get it? You know, since you're, you're a historian for this movie. I guess. I mean, <laughs> honestly, this is a movie where the plot is comes second to the spectacle. I mean, see, yeah. I, love, I love a movie. I love two kinds of movies. One where there's just great world building. Sure. And movies where they just go for it, even if they know they're not going to get it. Yeah. You know, and, and this movie has both of those things. Yes. And, and, and I think, like, Critically, it had some some weird some weird takes about it. It was people were very split and in, in, in extreme sides, and but it didn't make money. It, but it was also a very expensive movie to make too. Yes, I believe it was the most expensive European movie made at the time. Incredible. <laughs> now, but it made a ton of money in syndication. Yes, it did. Because it was on cable TV for my child my entire childhood. Like <laughs> like once a week, TNT or somebody's doing reruns. And you know, you talk about let's watch it again. Yeah. You can pop into this movie anywhere. And yes. be like, oh, the opera singer scene's coming up. Or, oh, my God, Ruby Rod's screaming. Something cool is about to happen. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love that about this. I can, I've bitten this movie off in chunks probably a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it reminds me because of the timing. And, and this is, this is going to come up in later in observations. But I at least when I mention it, it's another mid, uh, mid-90s kind of like this is a little later towards the 90s. But let's say mid-90s, um, like tough guy leading actor sort of movie. Yeah. It gave me vibes of Judge Dredd or even um, to a lesser extent Demolition Man. Sure. Total Recall. Yes. But we're getting a little late. We're getting near the end of that run of like that era of movie making. Yeah. Right. Totally. Absolutely. So so here's some what I like to call this section uh, ratings and reception. Okay. So on IMDb, because, you know, you got to throw the numbers out there. And um, I've recently added Letterboxd to this mix because Letterboxd, if you're going through it, 
You can just read the reviews. There's some gold reviews in there. Yeah. So this is a 7.6 movie on IMDb.com. Okay. I can see that. That's fair. Um, 3.7 on Letterboxd um, out, of, out of five. Um, Google, 90% of the people dig it. Of course they do. Because they they're all it. nerds. <laughs> they're on Google reviews. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, which I, I'm taking the consensus from. So Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 6.4 out of 10. And... Um, the, the consensus is it's visually inventive and gleefully over the top. Luke Besson's The Fifth Element is a fantastic piece of pop uh, sci-fi that never takes itself too seriously. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I'm in. Yeah, 6.4. And, and, and it's funny, lowest rating out of that group, but I think that they hit it on the head, though. Yeah. I would say 6.4 feels a little low. I feel like it should be, like with IMDb, in like this, it feels like a C movie. Like, you know, yeah. like in the critical ratings. <laughs> yes. Like, nobody's going to give this a 10 out of 10. No, no. Who's not like, you know, us on Google reviews. <laughs> Luke Besson's giving it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, he is. He was in his bag in this movie. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, let's see. Uh, do you want to hit um, observation? No. Let's go with trivia. Let's hit trivia first. Okay. I want to do those. Um, so trivia, uh, it's I've, I've trimmed this down and tried to like organize this in a way that is cohesive and that kind of aligns with things. So Luke Besson wrote this original screenplay when he was in high school. Um, he had, he conceived the story, um, the story for this movie, and he invented a world of this movie as a child so he could escape this lonely childhood he was experiencing. I get that. Um, he began writing the script when he was 16, and it would not be released for another uh, until he was 38, so like 22 years later. My man sticking with it. <laughs> Persistence. He's not giving up. How many boardrooms was he in before this movie got greenlit? I want to know. I mean, this is... Because this, this, there's another question I have later. Out of the movies he's done, like he's in that point where La Femme Nikita already came out. The yeah. Professional, which I love, already came out. Yeah. So it's like where are you at? And he's kind of been in this lane of trying to tap back into this sort of sci-fi story. Like, what was it? The Valarian kind of deal that had um, uh, Mila Kunis in it. Oh, yeah. That's good. Side note, isn't he also, like, a, in hindsight, a vaguely problematic figure? Like, didn't he marry, like, a 15-year-old girl or something? Yes. He's a little problematic. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Anyway, back to the trivia. Uh, so the he made the hero a cab driver, a taxi driver, because his father uh, worked a second job as a taxi driver. And um, he did not—he uh, did this to support Luke going through art school. So Luke was a cab driver in almost all of the movies. He always has a cab driver in all the movies that he does. It's like a nod it. to his dad. That's great. That's cute. Yeah. So the divine language. <laughs> let's let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> they made it. They actually made a language. Did yes, they, not they did for this yeah, movie. Absolutely, they did. And it was um, so Mila is already um, fluent in four languages. She is a polyglot. So she picked up another language. So by the end of this movie, they were able to have full conversations. Her and Luke Besson um, in this like divine language. And they were having an affair too, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> And I believe he was um, engaged to the diva. Yeah, Maywin. They like broke it off yeah. because of the Mila. Yeah, but she, but Mila was also like having an affair with someone else on the set. This is wild. Yeah. This, this is. I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, it, it's, it's not as bad as some of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes in like Street Fighter or another review I did. Street Fighter. Yes. Well, okay. Just allegedly, John John Claude was coked out of his mind, and him and uh, what, what uh, Kali uh, Minogue were having an affair. Okay, All yeah. right. not super surprising, but yeah. sure. Okay, 
So, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I got to squeeze my muscles or what have you, just not showing up for set, to set. So they had to shoot around him not being in a movie. Oh, for real? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, that's yeah, that's problematic. Um, but wait, divine language. So, Sounds yeah. like vaguely Italian, right? <laughs> yes. It's kind of Italian. It, it is, and at a point, this, this, is, this shows how good it is and maybe how it relates to some of these languages that you know, it's just like, mm, this is kind of a derivative of Latin, these kind of romantic languages. Because whenever she's speaking in it, I'm not thrown off. I'm like, oh, yeah, she said that. I don't know what she said, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the conversation. Yeah. That's what it feels like. You're with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so at the time, this was the most expensive movie ever produced outside of Hollywood. The most expensive production in Gaumont's history at, <laughs> I like to say it like that, at um, 80 million U.S. dollars. The visual effects budget of the movie was the highest of all time. Can we pause here to talk about the visual Please. effects? Please. Is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I have thoughts about this. Okay. I feel like the visual effects in this movie are very hit or miss. Yes. So you have some pretty good kind of set pieces, like the, the, the taxi scene where he's on the balcony, you're looking down, you're like, okay, not bad graphics for yeah. 1997, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but then when they, at the end of the movie, take their ship into hyperspace or whatever it's called. I mean, it looked like a video game. Like, I was like, Star Wars came out, like, 15 years before this, y'all, and looked way better than this. 20 years before. 20, oh, my God. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and however, uh, the little sparks that assemble on top of the elements, like, <laughs> you know, I would say it's, it's not terrible, given that it's 1997. Yeah. But I was like, you guys spent how much money on CGI right. in 1997? And this is, like, post-T2. Mm -hmm. Which looks, I think, at times more real than this thing does. Uh, yes. And I, I think, like, the practical effects, like dudes in rubber suits, um, a person in a robot suit, those work. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. this is like a blending of something that's anachronistic. Because, you know, at the beginning, and I want to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Like, those feel better than when we get kind of a little too much of the visual effects. It's like the filmmaking approach is a little odd. Agreed. Because you're, you're, they're, they're leaning on that a bit much, and they're not up to snuff. And to your point, they're not consistent. Yeah. It's all over the map with yeah. the CGI on this. Especially in that one scene where they're at the train station before they kind of like train, uh, the, the chase kind of segment sets up. And uh, one of the guys comes there. He's like, I'm Dallas Corbin. It's clearly the aliens. And his face is like, it's just pulsating. And I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> no, it's bad. It's, it's like, just, bad. just give him a different mask. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, even <laughs> you're gonna love this. Even as Luke Besson went way over budget, he did not allow financiers to come on set. He's like, you can't see anything. The bankers are locked out. Yes, everybody's locked out. No studio execs. Nobody. <laughs> so Willis ad libbed um, the line, uh, "Look, lady, I only speak two ang languages: English and bad English." <laughs> so it's great. It's great. Classic. <laughs> When Corbin first meets Lilu, um, she starts talking to him in, in the uh, divine language. Luke Besson didn't tell Bruce Willis what Mila Jovovich is going to say, so his reactions were real. Oh, I love that. I love when filmmakers do that. That's great. And it's on the back end. It's probably almost like a rub, right? Because um, in, uh, in Die Hard, they didn't tell um, friggin' Hans Gruber that we're gonna we're just gonna let you fall for, for real. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. At the end. <laughs> yeah, um, the same thing happens later. Um, the wonder on Bruce Willis's face when the diva sings is real. He never not seen her in costume. Okay. So when she comes out, he's like, oh, 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 and they pan on him. They stay on him for a while. Yeah, it's a tight shot. <laughs> just yeah. like, oh, you're you're not here for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we doing again? What movie did I sign up for? It's great. <laughs> Um, the movie was supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. And um, Except it kind of bombed. <laughs> yeah. And 
And Besson had three scripts and condensed it into one, which I think, and, and this this is actually I'm questioning, and I'm, I'm going to kind of interject right here. Does would this work better as a series, like not like a long series, like a mini series? Absolutely, six episodes, yes. Netflix mm-hmm. or HBO. I would be on this. Yeah, it could easily be six one hour episodes. Because because I, I think. If, if you extend it out, you can do some of that world building a little bit more and kind of like tighten up certain areas. For instance, when you're in the beginning of the movie, I don't remember the beginning this like in the 1940s. I was like, why is Indiana Jones here? What, 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 is that Luke Perry? <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I was reminded of just how good looking Luke Perry was. <laughs> R.I.P., yes. Oh, my gosh. Aziz, light! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's, I don't think he's credited in the movie, by the way. Luke Perry? Yeah. He is. He gets a credit at the beginning. Okay. Um, but he's only in it for like, what, six minutes, seven yes. minutes? And then that's when you have the friggin' um, robot that's used like later, I believe, in, I think, like Star Wars Episode One. That same like robot setup is used, the gold robot that comes in there with the key. Oh. That same gear, the same technology, that frame is used in like Phantom Menace. Oh, interesting. I thought those... You know, I apologize if I'm taking this on too many tangents here. No, was good. But the what, what they, they're called the Mandoshawans, Mandoshawans, yeah. Mandoshawans, yeah. those duck aliens. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it looks like they like they're, uh, giant space ducks. Okay, robot space <laughs> ducks. Uh, I can't take them seriously. It's hard to take them seriously. Uh, it's a few of those things. How did they come to be such an advanced species? If a they move this slowly on foot and have literally no defenses on their starships. B like, was the fifth element, like, the only weapon that they owned? I think so. I think that's all that they had, because it's, it's literally just waddling. It's like the, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a reference to another movie. It's Batman Returns, when the penguins, like, because they're real people in yeah, those suits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how slow they're walking? Yeah. And I was like, you deserve to get crushed. I, I mean, yeah, like Daffy Duck trapped in carbonite or something. It's like, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, and... And it's just a shame because it kind of looked like looked kind of cool, and it did disturb like the you know it, dis- it really disturbed Luke Perry's career. He's like, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're not and you're not expecting that to see that in like I believe it was like 1941 is when that that scene is set. But also, I think going to this notion of like fleshing it out into a series, I think that doesn't feel like it doesn't fit. Yeah, we need backstory. Yeah, we need we need backstory to the backstory. We need a little bit more alien backstory from them. Yeah, because if you're you're looking at that, it doesn't really connect to anything really well in the future. You kind of have this lazy sort of this many years and this indefinite period in the future where this great prophecy dot dot dot. That's when it starts. That's when you start to think like I don't really care yeah. about this here right. at all. Because by the time we get back to that setting, yeah, I've kind of forgotten about what happened in the beginning. Right. I'm like, oh, I was supposed to remember that they took these little rocks mm-hmm. out of the pyramid that they were raiding or whatever. Yeah. Like, what? Um, yeah, it's hard to make that connection. So I, I think if there were, like, to your point, like, you know, six episode kind of Netflix, Hulu, whatever, it, it would work. And that budget wouldn't feel as crazy because you're looking at, like, you see, like, a Game of Thrones or something on those lines. It's like, this is a $30 million episode. So, you know, it could work. It could, it could yeah. be worthy of a reboot, maybe. Totally. Also, note, when one of those space ducks gets <laughs> space. trapped in the pyramid. Those duck dodgers. Yeah, gets stuck in the temple, right? Yeah. Gets shut in, locked in. Why isn't that thing still there when they open it up in the future? True. What happened to that? Disintegration. Somebody go, 
I mean, space metal? Space metal. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, go uh-huh. on, go on, please. I, I, I recently watched uh, Predator, so everything just dis- explodes oh, for me. Oh, okay, that's fine. It's self-destruct mode. Yeah, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. His, his, uh, his, I was going to say his goose is cooked, but really he's a duck, so it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't quite work. Uh, so initially conceived to be a trilogy, um, according to the Ultimate Edition DVD, now you're going to love this, I think, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson were sources for inspiration for Ruby Rod, and uh, both were considered for the role, but Prince was the first choice. Oh, I've heard this. Yes, yes. Can you? But see, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It. it would not have been as good with Prince no. as Ruby Rod. He would have taken himself way too seriously. No. He would not have gone for it in the same way that like young, hungry Chris Tucker went for it. Yeah. I, I, Chris Tucker. This was the archetype for Chris Tucker for every role that came <laughs> after for Chris Tucker for like what five years. Yeah. Like he was basically playing a more toned down version of this character yes. in Rush Hour. In like that whole like. The eyeballs that yeah. just bulge out of his head, yeah. you know, the high-pitched screams, the, I'm getting really excited right now! That, whole, <laughs> that was Chris Tucker's thing. And he's like, what, 21 in this movie or yeah. something? And I don't know how... I think of all the actors that they tried and got on this movie, I understand, like, Gary Oldman, Bruce Willis, like, yeah. whoa, okay, great, big scores for you guys. But, like, convincing a no-name at the time yeah. actor, Chris Tucker, to dress up in... Is it drag? I don't uh, know what it's it is. kind of drag. He's he's in super androgynous in the future. So that's a whole thing. You know how things yeah. come back? It came back several times. Yeah, yeah. To dress up like that, to act like that, to talk like that, to scream all the time. Like, how do you get someone to do all these things? I'm very impressed yes. by that. Yeah, and looking at the timeline, right? Th- th- there's a funny observation I have for you later that I think you're going to enjoy. But this is this is coming two years after. Like he probably read the scripts around the same time that it, for this and Friday. Oh wow! Because Friday is ninety five. Yeah, so right. So this is after Friday, but I think it, in the same year as Rush Hour. Okay. So this is like kind of that arc, like the initial Rush Hour movie. Chris Tucker, he steals every scene he's in. Yeah, and he's only in it for like that nice little chunk of the movie when they're, which I forget, when they're on the boat. I was like, oh. This wasn't a spaceship? That was literally where my mind went. Yes. Like, what's that? Like, an hour into the movie when he comes in? Yeah. Like, it's, you're, we're deep into it at that point. Yes. Um, so, let's see. Uh, John Paul Gaultier um, personally uh, checked uh, the costumes of 500 extras used in one scene. <laughs> Just, like, look, you're not showing my threads wrong. No. This, this is going to be right. JPG initials. And it's like everyone has to smell like this. He's just spritzing everyone with clothes as they walk by. It's incredible. But yeah, I I think that's one of the things that this movie has that's really cool is it's like Luke Besson is calling in favors, but also the the aesthetic for it, the the color layout, all of those things is very distinct and I believe it really works. Absolutely. Every time you see like Ruby Rod or yeah. even Bruce Willis or sure. I mean, those costumes are iconic. How many movies from the mid 90s came out and had such a distinct look that you can buy not one, not two, not three, but like four different Halloween costumes from yeah. now? Yeah. And, and were considered to be flops at the time. Yeah. Like the Lilu costume is the one that, you know, pops. But I think she has like two of them, though. She has she the does. all white bands and the one with the, and the, the tank top, yeah. the white tank top. Yeah, with the um, the orange. Yeah, and you've got Ruby Rod, and has, the, which I now own. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I'm going as Ruby Rod for Halloween. Yes, you should. Uh, and you can also get um, Corbin Dallas's outfit. Yeah, at least one. 
I, I will say uh, Tommy Lester's did not fit um, at all. <laughs> he's he's a, he was an oak of a man. Uh, his his did not fit. No. No. Whenever I watch a movie, I'm like, who's the biggest guy in it, and how can I steal their costume? And I say, like, ah, I don't think that's gonna work. Yeah. No. That was weird. <laughs> no JPG. Sorry. Um, so Mila beat out three thousand other actors who auditioned for the role of Lilu. Someone sat through three thousand auditions for that. Oh my god. Yeah. That Muppet's Bike is it's a passion project. Yeah, absolutely. So he was probably like, it has to be the perfect. It's the perfect. It's his life. Yeah. And she was only 22, by the way. Wow. Yeah. So she's a child as well. Yeah. Uh, now, this is really interesting for me. Jean Renault was originally the choice for Corbin Dallas. Really? <laughs> yes. It's just a French movie now. Yeah, it's a very different movie <laughs> if that happens. And that's post The Professional. With, uh, with Gary Oldman, you know, he. I guess my, my first thought was maybe he's too old for that. But Bruce Willis was around the same age at, yeah. the, at the time. I think he's. A, I think Bruce Willis is a little younger, but you know, both unfortunate hairlines. So yeah, it works. Yeah. Bruce Willis's hair in this movie is tragic because it's not his, and <laughs> it's not good. But him is him is blonde. It works. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So this is a really interesting, weirdly interesting thing. Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, Chris Tucker, and Gary Oldman are all left-handed. Hmm. Yeah. I think that, that was part of the audition process, I'm sure. So yeah, drop, it's like, what are you going to pick this up with? What hand are you going with? <laughs> oh, you can't be. It's just... He, so what happened was Luke Besson brought in 2,999 auditions <laughs> that were all right-handed That's just right. to get to Mila. <laughs> Must be left-handed. <laughs> so, Corbin Dallas and the villain, John Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. How French is that name? It's great. And, I, until you get to Zorg. Zorg, Zorg is not really good. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's just, you're an alien. You're, 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 you're from a long line of Zorgs. Yeah. Proud, a proud line. <laughs> a proud line of Zorgs. They never meet. And they, they never communicate in any way. They are um, aware of each other. Um, Zorg, uh, Corbin used to work for Zorg's company, and Zorg uh, knew that Corbin won the contest, but they are unaware of each other's involvement in the main plot, getting the stones. The only time that they appear in the same scene with each other is at the end, when Corbin flees uh, towards Flalston's hotel hangar while Zorg is just returning from it. And they pass, and they kind of look at each other, but that's it. Just a couple frames together. I love that. I yeah. love that. They don't even need to be in the same room at the same time. They're they're able to, in some instances, for Gary Oldman, just shoot scenery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's also he's such a great actor that you can just go tight on his face and like that blood starts dripping down yeah. his forehead, and you're like, what is going on? That 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 one thing disturbs. I think it happens twice. It, it, it happens to Zorg, but it happens early in the movie when they realize it's a super threat or what have you. And yeah. It's like, this is gross, but also that is marmalade. And <laughs> it's not blood. It's clearly not blood. Like, can I get a biscuit or something <laughs> or a scone? It's a scone because you're European, right? Uh, lastly, Luke Besson was stated by, in several sources, um, amongst them uh, his own production diary, that the fifth element is a representation of love, uh, life, art, and the fifth element is the symbol of life. Can we just do a quick time check? Because I want to know if Captain Planet came before or after this movie. Because if it, I, I understand Luke wrote this when he was a kid, but I find it just a little too coincidental that Earth, Air, Water, <laughs> Fire, and then Heart. I, I can say this: one, Captain Planet was 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 before in terms, but I don't know when it was initially written. However, we're recording this right on the twenty first of September. So slow earth, wind, and fire that could kind of like fall into this scenario. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. I had to try to deadpan it as much as I could. Glad to have deadpanned that. Shout out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I, I want to. So I want to go into observations and questions, and then we'll. Um, Keen on like one fix and what works, what doesn't work, and we'll wrap up on some favorite scenes. So, I want to talk about um, some observations, and um, you know, feel free to kind of throw in here. But one of the observations, and I, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, is this movie more of a spiritual sequel, speaking the same language of a Demolition Man or Judge Dredd, and I think to an extent. Um, um, uh, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Which which one do you think? If there were two pack, right? We're we're back in DVD land, right? Yeah. Or if we're watching two movies, double play. What is the accompanying movie with this one? I'm going. I'm going. If I'm in Blockbuster in 1999, <laughs> I'm going for this. I'm going for Total Recall. Okay. Because they both are, you know, space odysseys, world building. You, you really kind of don't know what's going on for a good chunk of it. Yeah. I, and I get that Total Recall is like just like, can I believe the narrator at all? Yeah. Uh, versus this is like, yes, you can believe him. This is coherent. It's actually happening. Um, but I think they're just both so far out there. That yes. if I'm doing a, if I'm doing a night of just weird ass sci-fi from the <laughs> '90s, like I'm going for those two movies. That's my point. Where, where are you at on this? I'm I'm gonna go with this and Demolition Man because there's a fair amount of quirkiness that you know I don't understand the three she shells in uh, Demolition Great Man. Point. Yes, so I kind of like that and. You have this, like, I know that Bruce Willis's character is of that time, but he's played like he doesn't fit in, which is very similar to um, yes. John Spartan. Totally. You're totally right. I don't know how I remember that name. I just pulled it out, John Spartan. Yeah, that's great. That's a great pull. And they both have such great senses of humor. Mm-hmm. And, and they're so self-deprecating. Yes. So I, I, I'm going to change my pick. I'm back with you. I'm back with you on that. Demolition Man. It, yeah. it works. And you, you have some of those corn. I think he says heads up when he kicks off Wesley Snipes' head after it's frozen. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. You're, you're, you're just you're just working with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's writers from Predator. I mean, it was what, like 15 years of like catch lines oh after, gosh. Yes. you know, the I'll be back and all that. Like what you say after you kill the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to work on mines though because I feel like there is a place for me to have a like action movie under the guise of being a podcaster. We'll yeah. workshop it. We'll workshop it. I'm in, I'm there for it. Um, so why why was the Indiana Jones esque intro not really discussed heavily? Like when people look at the best scenes and talk about the best scenes and you're doing the research on what scenes pop, it's usually not that one. And I think because it's visually and, ton- and tonally so different than the rest of the movie. Sure. And it's not bad. It just it's just different. And I think it it sparks curiosity for me. So that's, that's why I'm like, why wasn't that really a bigger thing? Probably because it comes so early in the movie as yeah. well. Um, and then it's gone. And yeah. then it's almost never referenced again until the last five minutes of the movie. So literally there's like 15 minutes of sand because you had like the first 10 and then like the last five. Yeah, that's that's it. Like, yeah, it would be like Star Wars, except you only spend 10 minutes on Tatooine with Luke and then you're gone. You True. never see it again. You know, um, Although all of the other sequels have come back. Anyway, that's another. It's, it's a lot of sand in the sequels. It's way too much sand. I was like, why are we back in Tatooine? There's like a thousand planets in this galaxy. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, hey, I love seeing uh, Ian Holm in yeah, this movie. Absolutely. Who also plays Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. He does. Yeah, yeah. And in this movie, did you notice where at one point he says the fifth element is precious? 
He does. He does. <laughs> nice. Great, great foreshadowing. And I like because I recently watched what uh like the original Alien, I was like, oh, yeah, you. It's like I did that yeah. connection real quick. Yeah. Because it's like sometimes you see like an older act and you're like, I know you from this. Yeah. Like I don't like Alien wasn't my reference point for him. It was the fifth element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's also, see. why is he named Vito Corleonis or whatever his name is? Like, it's like, it's, w- are we like in The Godfather? Vito Cornelius. It's Vito Cornelius, the priest. I'm like, what? Can we talk about the lack of sideburns? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. For whatever, whatever they're following, the faith that they're following, it really, it leads to cones. Because his man's is wearing a cone, a spiral cone. It's like headgear was weird in this movie. Yeah. Well, Gary Oldman's character, Zord, his like plastic wrap on his head. He had, um, what, 2007 uh, Cassie hair? <laughs> if that makes sense. I think that, I think that reference works. <laughs> He's like choking to death on a cherry. And I'm like, you look ridiculous. This looks ridiculous. That's actually what was coming out of his head, cherry juice. That's what was happening. <laughs> It's just like cherry paste. That's great. I mean, I, I would be Zorg at that point because I'm allergic to cherries. It's like, oh, I'm just going to die here. This is gonna happen. Oh, man. <laughs> he like, also, where's he going with? He like gets a glass of water and then like puts a cherry in it. Yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is this? Is this a new cocktail that I'm aware of? <laughs> it's water with a cherry. And then, he, and then like, uh, Vito is just giving him this whole, Vito. Now I just feel bad about it. <laughs> he, he's just walking around and kind of like, yeah, so where will you be at with your, your robots? And who's going to save you? A cherry. Or he could end it all. I was like, yo, he's not wrong. I, I do appreciate that he lets him Vito live. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm gonna let you live because you saved my life. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I love a bad guy with morals. True. And he kind of has them. And I, but I think the other thing too with this, the way that his villain was characterized, it definitely plays as a, as a trilogy because he's he's a mid villain. Yeah. Because we're waiting for like Lord Planet Crush or whatever. The big bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very much like when you watch the first Avengers movie, it's like, no, Loki's not the real guy. We're waiting for Thanos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah great point. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So this is <laughs> this is the this is the thing you're gonna like. Here's another observation. So this is post Friday and it features Chris Tucker and uh, Tommy Luster. Would Ice Cube work as Corbin Dallas in another universe? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think in a very, very weird, different universe. Yes, like the next dimension of this movie, the sixth element. If if you could give me any ruby, but ask how do you get five in your day off? I would really appreciate this. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching that movie. Yes, ten <laughs> ten. Um, so here here's another thing. So this is this is the thing I was touching on earlier. Um, where does this movie rank in like the Luke Besson movies um, and, and by the Luke Besson movies, my criteria is either movies he's directed and written or that he's like been in that kind of creative sort of force. So what I have here is the professional. Yeah. Uh, Leon, the professional to be exact. Uh, Taken. Uh, Lucy and La Femme Nikita. God, I forgot he did Taken. Yeah. Taken is so good. Mm-hmm. You're about to be taken. Oh and that that speech he gives to the people on the phone. That's a great scene. Oh my god. Yeah. Um I have a very special set of skills. <laughs> um I don't know. I loved The Professional. Yeah, yeah. I was always a big fan of the as a kid, just watching that movie. Stanfield is a great villain. Yes. Yeah. Um 
I don't know. I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like as much as I love the film, and you know I love the film, yes, if I'm ranking his best work, it's probably like third or fourth on that list. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think that if I'm if I'm going to rank this group, it's going to be. I love the professional, so it's going to be professional, taken, probably Fifth Element. Okay. Then yeah. I haven't seen the other two, but I, I think because it feels like his attempt to try to do a sci-fi movie, it almost gives me those same um, points that you give. Uh, who's the director of Big Trouble in China? Oh God, Rob, John Carpenter, right? Yeah, uh, yes, yes. It, get, it gives me those same kind of vibes. Like you want outside of something you normally would do. Like, you know, I think the movie before this for Luke Besson was um, was the Professional, right? And then the film The Key to These are kind of like grounded. These are kind of like these seedier certain certain things that are happening there. Whereas this one is just um, Fifth Element is just bombastic and it's in a whole different stratosphere. And getting the, the a star of the caliber of Bruce Willis in the nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Huge get. I, I read an oral history of this movie, and they were saying that, that Luke was having lunch with Demi Moore, and Bruce popped by, and he was like, Bruce, I have a script, I, this movie that I think you might really like. And Demi was like, yeah, you'd be great for this. And he was like, okay, sure. You know, let's yeah. talk. And that's apparently how it happened. Yeah. But, um, and I read that, that piece. And I read that, and this, this other piece was like, he read it for two hours and then came back. It was like, I'll do it. Wow. Yeah. That's just how it happens sometimes. Props to Bruce Willis for just going going for it on this movie. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do this movie. He had so much juice at that point. Absolutely. I mean, look, Planet, Holly, Planet Hollywood was still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're still wearing leather jackets. They yeah. were a little too big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. Nothing fit right in the 90s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. Again, yeah, as I said, this, this will work better as a, a miniseries, I think, fleshing out some of those ideas. And I think lastly, the other observation I had here is this movie feels like it's it's feels really European mm-hmm. and familiar like it may have been a remake of a movie that already happened and I, and I don't I'm not saying it in a negative way it just kind of feels like familiar in that sort of way like is this a cover you know almost like this is a, like a cover of a, of a of a good song sure that's what this movie feels like in some regards but with a certain like European sheen to it because there are certain things like we don't dress like that here. It's like, exactly. You, this is not what yeah. we will wear, even in the future. No, no. It's definitely a European future. Yeah. They're smoking cigarettes, which, you know, they probably will in France in 500 years. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Everything is butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, with all that technology, Rob, they still use matches to light their cigarettes. This is true. This is true. Cartoon-sized guns, um, like, you know, see-through skull caps or whatever, and they still use cigarette lighters. Yeah. They still use matches. They're still just like, look, sometimes you just got to just feel the fire in your hand, man. Yeah. <laughs> Warmer tones, man. All right. So did you have any other observations? Um, I wanted to just Please. make an, one more note because you brought up guns, the big guns. Yeah. How when Zorg thinks that he's got the stones for the first time, it turns out to be, like, not the stones, yeah. empty briefcase or whatever. And he is giving them these guns in exchange for yeah. it. And he walks out of the room and he's like, you know, if I were going to be a, a cold-blooded killer, would have asked what the red button does. And it just explodes. I was like, why would you put a button like that on guns? Like, oh, by the way, this is the button that I push when I want to explode myself. <laughs> like, what? I, I, I giggled about that because it had the um, cool guys on look at explosions sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and shout out to, is it, was that like, was that gold? Tricky? Shout out to Tricky, who was like his henchman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think he was a British rapper. 
Yeah. yeah. He was like, shout out to him, because that's who his uh, henchman, henchman was, his number two, if you will, I believe, right hand. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tricky. So I want to I want to throw in, um, I'm going to do one fix last. I want to throw what works and what I think don't doesn't work, and, you know, feel free to pepper in. Sure. So what I think works is costume design, obviously. Absolutely. Um, I think the color palette works really well. Um so looking at the mid '90s, right? There are movies that I really like that came out during that time. Like um, what pops in my head immediately is Seven. That's a really dark movie in terms of tone and dark movie in terms of subject matter. So having something that is kind of disposable but bright, and it's like, oh, okay, this is a you know nice little popcorn movie with aliens and stuff, and it' cool. Yeah, agreed, totally. Um, the Mangalore's design I thought really worked. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're just like like wet dogs. They're like <laughs> dogs with no skin. It's just it's like what is this? A giant chihuahua with yeah. the floppy ears and everything. And they're huge as well. But then they have like that weird kind of yeah, right. They, they kind right, of do right. that. Yeah, and they're always tight. Yeah, <laughs> and they believe in honor. <laughs> they believe in honor. When you kill the leader, they all give up. Mm-hmm. It's like Klingons a little bit. Yes, yeah. totally. Uh, let's see. I, I think Corbin's charm works really well in this movie. It's just like peak Bruce Willis because he's he I, 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 he's not mailing it in. No, but that's the persona. Yeah. That whole like, what am I what am I even doing in this life? Yeah. You know, like yeah. like uh, when Ruby Rod comes up to me, he's like, you know, pop it, pop it, D-man. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. He's playing that that entire way because <laughs> I was like. This is how I'm going to react to this. You know, if I'm in this position, I was like, yeah, I relate to I relate to Corbin a lot right now. We do get a little bit of his backstory when the yeah. military folks come in and they're like, this was our best special forces guy. And so you get like whole like burnout. Like I live my life with all this focus. And now I'm just like, fuck it. Like yeah. I'm done. I'm driving a taxi cab. It's like, where are my orange shirts? I just want to drive my taxi. Exactly. <laughs> I want to sleep in my cellophane wrapper bed. You know, I want to. Yeah, that's his life. He gets turned every night. He gets turned into a meat package and he just gets wrapped up. You know, that's what happened to Vito at one point. And I was like, Vito's going to die. <laughs> oh, so they, I love how they also just never explain some things. Like when they come to his door and they're like, identify yourself. Are you human? He's like, no, I'm a meat popsicle. That's really funny. And they're like, okay. And they go on to the next like, room. Sure. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> and I, I never, the, the guy that is, that he takes a mission from, I never liked that dude. I don't know why. He's a that guy. Wait, the guy that he takes what from? Wait, what? That he gets the, um, so they're in this like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His his former boss or whatever, like, sergeant or whatever. I, like, I don't like you. You don't need to be in this scene. That's literally what I was thinking. Yeah, it was nice to watch him get frozen. Uh, yes. I appreciated that. I was like, oh, you're now a meat popsicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was in, you're right. He was like in all those 80s and 90s movies. Yeah. Uh, Lilo, just 10 on 10. Phenomenal. Just Phenomenal. coming out party for her. So enigmatic. Every scene she's in, you're, you're like just drawn to her. Yeah. And um, I, I think going with the color, I want to want to at least throw this out there. Orange has a had a really great time. The it color did. orange had a great time. It did. It was a good movie for orange. Yes. Her hair apparently was like so destroyed by the dye. They had to like switch to a wig at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the last thing that I think what, what works. And I think most of it, and we, we touched on a little bit earlier. I think most of the FX works, except for those instances where, where we pointed out earlier, where it's just... You mailed it in. The budget wasn't as high as it should have been for that piece. Yeah, they were down to like the last five hundred grand, and they were like, uh, "Well, this is what you get for that." <laughs> it's like we have to smoke the rest of this up, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I only think two things don't really work. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> the runtime. Uh, I think you can trim off probably like 10 minutes. Sure. Okay. Um, I think. What if, would you cut? I think if we were tightening it up, um, there, I feel like when we're on the ship, it's like an extended sort of shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, that could either be trimmed when we're getting to the, I guess, the flight. That could either be trimmed or. If I want to be really obvious about it, we can just trim like the first ten minutes. Yeah, you're you're right. They could have done a title card and been like, a long time ago there was an alien. That, you know, you know. I mean, like they could have they could have spelled it out. There was a robot duck walking and yeah, <laughs> slowly. I, I didn't need to see the robot duck. You know, I didn't need to see that. You're right. And um, Zorg Zorg's hair. Just I, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Just get it out of here. I mean, I don't understand the plastic piece on his head. Like, I mean, okay, you want to shave your head and leave a weird ponytail thing. Fine. But why do you need this? I don't know. It's very French. It's very French. And I I believe um, I I read in some of the oral history that his motivation was two people. Gary Oldman's motivation for the character was two people. I know one of them, the other one I'm blanking on, but Ross Perot was one of them. What? Yes, because that's his accent. He's supposed to be French, and he sounds like a hick. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Jean-Baptiste Zorg. (laughs) Emmanuel. Emmanuel, oh, God. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. It's a lot of names. I want my stones. See? Yeah. (laughs) It's just there. Um, So... Did you have anything that you don't think works in this movie? I feel like I've touched on a, a good amount of it. You know, the the gun thing, the, the space ducks. Um, <laughs> this movie's just about space ducks. D- wait, wait. D- can I add one more thing that I really like? Please, please. I, I really like, I, I loved, actually, you know, well, let's talk about it in scenes. Let's talk about okay. it in scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, let's see. Uh, the one fix, that's the, that's the thing I want to throw out there. And I and I think that, yeah, the one fix is still just the, the runtime or what have you. Absolutely. Just have that in there. Yeah. Um, so favorite scenes or, or best lines. I like to open it up a little bit because the, the last one that I did before this was Predator. And it's not even scenes. It's just lines at, at a certain point, as we touched on earlier. So um, one of the favorite scenes that comes to mind for me, and we'll you know have these, are when, when Dallas is mugging the mugger. <laughs> give me the cash. Been here long? Yeah, long enough. Come on, give me the cash. Is that a Z-140? Alleviated titanium. Newer charge assault model. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Good thing for me it's not loaded. <laughs> what do you mean it's not loaded? Well, you have to, you have to push that little yellow button to load it. <laughs> Take your time. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That's a great scene. That's a great scene. <laughs> Love that. The I mean, guy's all like, juiced. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> He's like, great hat, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a weird movie for headwear. It's a weird hairwear, headwear movie. It is. Uh, I love that his mom is calling him. All the time. Yeah. I should have never pushed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when he takes, he's like, yeah, this is a very dangerous gun. And he just has like a bucket or like a, a chamber of different weapons that From are the huge. the same guy. Yes. You know it's the same yeah. dude. It's like, you're really trying, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I, I love the number of times that Lilu says multipass. Yes. She's like, multi-pass. He was like, they know, they know, they've seen it. Okay, they've seen <laughs> yes. it. It's like she's a New Yorker. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, the weapons demonstration, that's the, the back end of the explosion, don't press that red button. Yeah. Slide. Handles adjustable for easy carrying. Good for riders and lefties. Strikes down on four parts. Undetectable by x-ray. Ideal for quick, discreet oh. interventions. A word on firepower. Titanium recharger. 3,000 round clip with bursts of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zorg invention, it's even easier. <laughs> One shot. 
Replay sends every following shot to the same location. That that works um, for me because. It, it, and he definitely gave me the vibe, and this is where some of that Judge Dredd comes in with the cartoon-sized weapons that, yes. like, what does that do again? Yes, it does everything, Rob. <laughs> everything. It's the gun that Surge has in um, Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs> yes, it is the gun version of one of those pens we had as kids that had like 10 different colors that you'd push down. Hell yeah. That's Hell what yeah. that is. Yes, 100%. Uh, let's see. The Diva Dance. Commander, I have a ship in trouble requesting permission to dock for repairs. Put him in the docking garage and form security. Permission granted for one hour. More than I need. Um, that, that, it, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, please. Okay. All right. It, it, it is. I love how we talk about world building. We talk about random things. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. They're like, here's the diva. Side note, as someone who works in the music and concert business, yeah. her tour manager runs and he's like, there is entirely not enough champagne in this or whatever it is. And he's like getting all fussed, uh, all fussy about it. I'm like, they've nailed the tour manager. That's exactly what the tour manager <laughs> is like in real life. Uh, and then the diva comes out. I don't, if, I don't know whether to assign a gender, gender to this character because maybe it's a he, maybe it's a she. But the diva comes out and the song is otherworldly yeah. and beautiful and then weird and techno-y and then she gets shot and she's like he's like tell me where the stones are and she's like they're in me and he has to like reach inside the body oh, right of this this star singer that yeah. was just on stage at like this exclusive cruise ship yeah. in the galaxy and it's just so ridiculous yes it is he's getting like blue goo all over his hands <laughs> it's like I didn't order this and it, it, I guess she's embodying or they are they're embodying the divas embodying everything all of the elements that make up the, the fifth element Bing. boom <laughs> I love it I love it it's so true oh my god they're in me Rob Oh, God. I don't know. Keep those in there. <laughs> I don't want to save the world that much. How is she singing with all that rocks in her? Like, I don't. I need to understand like alien physiology a little bit better. Yeah, we all do. I think that's. I think that's like the key lesson here. Yeah. You What's know, inside those duck suits? I don't want to know. Eggs. <laughs> oh God. I, I don't want. Them. I don't want those at all. Um, the negotiation that that whole that that line like anybody else want to negotiate? Great. That's great. Fire. Fire. <laughs> Anybody else want to negotiate? Where did he learn to negotiate like that? I wonder. It's just him dialing it up to like 15 and just going full Bruce Willis. He's like, he just comes in and shoots a dude in the head. And it's like, anybody else? Yeah, it's great. Like, oh, this is wonderful. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> um, the hallway shootout scene. Oh my God. I'm on vacation. It's, uh, I'm on, don't shoot me, please. I'm on a vacation. I want to contest. Gemini croquettes to Flossed in Paradise. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I think he's trying to say something to me. Yes. Yeah, and that's and that's in like an extended piece, I think, because you get some get some Ruby in there. Mm -hmm. And that works. Um and yeah, I think that that scene really gets all the action stuff. I believe he, I believe Corbin dives off of a balcony at one point. Yes. 
And I was yeah. like, oh, and the CGI was kind of kind of good there. The, the back of his head was not because I was a different dude. Because I was like, that's not your hair. <laughs> I mean, it's not your hair anyway, but that's not your hair. No. <laughs> what about when Ruby Rod like has the one of the bad guys? He has a gun to his head. Yeah. And he's like, you know, hold him down, blah blah blah. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, shoots him accidentally, <laughs> yeah. and then he's like stroking his head, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> Um, and, and I think the last thing that, that, that uh, is one of our favorite scenes in this is um, Ruby's introduction. Freeze those knees, my knees, because Herb's in the place and he's on the cake. Yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's friend of Frostan Paradise. A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and nickel lollies, a magic fountain flow of nonstop wine, women, and all night long. It is incredible. Yes. It is one of the greatest character introductions of any movie I've ever seen. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, here comes Ruby Rot. And everyone like stops and turns. And when you build up anticipation like that yeah. in a movie, you can almost never live up to it. Yeah. And he exceeds it. He comes walk the trolleys and the follies and the lickum lollies. And you're just like, what? And he's like, instead of signing autographs, he has like a paintbrush that he just, just like swipes. <laughs> he knocked like two people's like autograph things out of their hands. Like, I don't care. I don't give a shit. But, but yeah, I think that that really works. And even some of the more extended things that are kind of like throwaways almost that he's channeling I feel a lot of that prince energy yes because I was like mm, what are you what are you doing in there in this this card sir what are you, what's happening here I was like you're saying some uh, inappropriate things I'm hearing yeah he is and he's like he's trying to like make that stewardess yeah uh you know <laughs> yeah, yeah uh-huh. trying to make her uh go go metal duck and what have you yeah. <laughs> it's Space duck, yeah. It is just, but but again, like the buy-in, like Chris Tucker is just going for it. Yes. You know, he's in it, but he's like, my man, yo man, D-man. <laughs> and she's like, oh. I'm going to start saying, calling people D-man now. <laughs> <laughs> Their name doesn't have to be given to D. <laughs> no, no, that's it. Um, so... I guess in, I guess final thoughts, right? Yeah. Um, so we we and so hold on before I forget. Did you have any other favorite scenes or best lines? I think we've covered it. There's so many good ones in this movie. Yeah. So with it, what are your like final thoughts on this movie as as a person that's had a relationship with it for for 25 years, just like I have, and have recently been able to do a big like you know interactive movie night with it and reviewing it now? What are your final thoughts on it? My final thoughts are I can still take any piece of this movie for 20 minutes and be totally satisfied with it. Mm -hmm. I can sit down and watch the whole thing and be satisfied with it and come away just like giggling. I still giggle at these scenes, Rob. <laughs> I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. Yeah. And I think I think any movie where you can truly get lost in what they're trying to do, even just for like 10, 15 minutes, yeah. is a success on some level. 100%. The, the escape is the mess there and... Yeah, I haven't seen this movie in a while and rewatching it because I've seen like I'm really good at retaining certain things about movies. I'm usually looking for the small things that I miss and the one was obviously that first that first ten minutes. And I was like, no, this is this is good. And to your point, I think I could dive right in. And I was like, I want to rewatch this so I could have a critical take, but I know everything that's gonna happen after a certain point. And now I'm kind of looking for some of the little small minutiae sort of things. And um one before I forget, one that pops out that was really funny. It was when uh, just just this casting of Tommy Lester as the president. I was like, excuse me. Oh yeah, that didn't make any sense to me at all. Like, I mean, I love seeing a black dude as a president. I mean, why wouldn't you? But at the same time, I was like, all right, cool. This is what we're doing. We, we know we're just going to war, right? 
<laughs> right, right. Like we we have proof that dude hit people with bricks and, st- and still spikes and chains. Like what do you? This is this is why the planet was after Earth. Yeah, right, <laughs> we stole right. someone's yeah. chain. Yeah, we we you know maybe we deserved. It. I don't know, but um, I, I also like. I wanted to say I love the fact that it could very easily just be a chase movie and you know a heist movie all the way through. But in the end, like Lilu yes. gets this download of what humans are capable of, and she like it crushes her. Yeah, and adds this whole extra little layer of drama that I'd forgotten about until I went back recently and rewatched it again for the interactive movie night. And I was like, oh right, that's why she's so despondent. It almost doesn't work in the end because she's like, wait, you guys do this? Yeah. This is what we're saving here? And I like that about it. I think he. I think there was an attempt for Luke to pepper in a message there, or maybe the studio to try to pepper in a message there with it. That I, I think again, if this was something that we did not, as as even if, whether it's a movie or whether it's a series or something, but still trying to speak that same sort of language and the same sort of beats in it, I think we have a better language to communicate some of the ideas that were there. Because in the mid-90s, all we knew was blow things up and have one-liners. Yeah, sure. So now I think we're a little bit more uh, refined in that approach. So I think, you know, upon rewatching it, it makes me think like, all right, there's a space for this. And <laughs> this is another movie it relates to because it's so bad. Do you ever see the movie uh, Double Team? I don't think so. John claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Oh, wow. The colors are very similar. Look it up. You'll see. It's like, oh, is this just uh, like in the, the trash world of the Fifth Element universe? Really? Because that's what this movie feels like, that, that Double T movie. Okay. That's All what right. I think of, yeah. So with that, um, what what, you, what is your rating before we wrap up here? What is your rating on a scale of five for Fifth Element? We asked for, we got everyone else's. Mm-hmm. What would you say your definitive two S's Sam says a rating on this? I'm giving it four out of five. I'm going to do more than three and a half. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do five out of five. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> No one's giving it a 10 out of 10, as you no, said. <laughs> no, no one's giving this movie 10 out of 10. But I, and I'm probably a little bit more, you know, uh, liberal with my ratings than a lot of people would be. Yeah. Uh, but no, I feel, like, I feel like it goes for it. And I feel like a lot of the time it gets it. Yeah. What about I, you, Rob? Where, where are you at? I'm going three and a half. Um, yeah. out of five. Um, I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm very certain about my movies. But also, I, I, I look at once I have an idea of what the movie is and what it knows it is, I'm like, oh, now I'm just going to take off the critique. I'm going to take off the governor a little bit. Yes. And, yes. And, and, and I realized this when I watched this movie. I'm sure you may, you may have seen I don't know if you're a horror guy, but that movie Malignant. I, I haven't watched the whole thing. No. At, at a point I was watching, I was like, oh, this is just a bad movie. I literally said this out audibly. And I was like, oh, now I could just take off everything. I was like, oh, this is great now. Yes. So I think that's what it is. It's like, and also having the the childhood thing. Like when that movie came out, I was 12. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're good. This is this is great. I remember this. I remember what I was doing, you know, and, and, and liking this stuff or what have you. And really saying, man, Corbin is great, man. I wish I could get a girl like Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably show this to my kids when they're like 10 and 12. Yeah. And they would love it. Yeah. Because it's not like overly violent. It's not overly yeah. sexual. It's just weird and funny. Yeah, it's weird and funny and definitely something that, and I think this is this is the good the good pin on this, the good pin on this. Um, one of the things you touched on, that this could play on TNT. That's the way you have to look at any of these movies. If it's rewatchable, it could probably play on TNT. Love it. Yeah. So um, any any final things you want to say to the folks on where to check you out and all of that good stuff, your socials and all of that good? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the people know you. Uh 
at Sam Sessa uh, on Twitter, at Sam Sessa number three, the numeral three on Instagram. Thank you. I'll see you there. WTMD.org. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably, um, you know, the truth in his art on the gram and on the tweets. And um, yeah, um, for Sam um, Sessa, I'm Rob Lee saying uh, keep watching those movies. This was uh, The Fifth Element. Thanks. So, you know, I can do the Ruby Rod voice, but I can't do the screams. Like, he does those, like, like super, super falsetto screams, uh-huh. but he's like, let me try it, let me try it. Okay. Where he's like, ah! Ah! Like, he, he gets even higher than that. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't get... You can't achieve that. No. <laughs> but, that's all right. That was fun. Dude, this was so...